your weekend home for all things sport. This is The Grill on Dubai I 103.8. Live from Barasti. Here's Tom Urquhart. Yeah, you join us for the third and final hour of The Grill, live from Barasti. We're back at Barasti. If you want to get involved, come on down and be part of the action at Barasti Beach or at Dubai Eye Sport, at Dubai Eye 103.8 FM, if you are on social media. 4001, if you want to disagree or agree with anything you've heard so far in the previous two hours of live sport here on the show. And a big thanks to all of you for listening to Dubai Eye 103.8. Back for a new season at Barasti, so do come and join us. Uh, great food, great drink deals, and of course, live sport aplenty down here throughout the year. Let's get on to that live sport before we look at some of the other big stories of the day. Let's start with the cricket if we can. Sri Lanka against New Zealand has closed. Uh, play was suspended because of bad light after day four of, of five came to a conclusion, which means that Sri Lanka need 135 runs to win on the fifth and final day of the test match to be played tomorrow. What's happening over at Lords? It's Australia against England. Monty. Uh, Australia are trailing England by 77 runs, uh, currently 181 for six, and the run machine is just keeping on going and, and making life difficult for the England, England bowlers. Um, uh, one day left, and uh, I'm seeing that this, this game is ending in a draw tomorrow. Two games of uh, football being played over in England at the moment, waiting for early kickoffs over, I should, I should say early kickoffs, kickoffs over in Germany. They won't be for another 25 minutes or so. Let's get the latest though from Matt. What's happening over in the UK? Yeah, we're into the final 15 minutes here, Tom, and it's still Arsenal leading Burnley by two goals to one. And what we have just seen though is the full justification of Nicolas Pepe's 72 million pound price tag. He's just performed a nutmeg while spinning 360 degrees in the centre circle. That for me is justification enough but it's a delicately poised game Arsenal still very much looking the more likely to score but Burnley have had their opportunities Jay Rodriguez is on signed this summer of course back to his hometown club a bit of a, a, a cult favourite there shall we say never scored for them in the Premier League got them promoted oh, five six years ago with an excellent championship campaign then moved to Southampton has been ravaged by injuries ever since his England debut a few years ago but he's now on the field and he's an awkward customer balls into the box are likely to cause Arsenal some problems so this one's delicately poised 10 minutes to go uh, Sunderland have taken the lead against Pompey it's 2-1 in the League One match early kickoff in that one plenty more to talk about from the world of football uh, lest we forget the world of golf some big stories developing there the Czech Masters into its third round on the European Tour but all eyes in the golfing world are on Medina at the moment BMW Championship ongoing third round early start is about to go out what happened on the second round let's give you some highlights Friday at the BMW Championship Tiger Woods in PGA Tour live coverage had no problem making birdies like that one at 15 but a bunch of bogeys on the card for Tiger and he signed for 71 on Friday Meanwhile, one of the players trying to make it to next week's Tour Championship is Tony Finau. And he had a flurry of birdies on the scorecard during the second round. Six iron here at the eighth. Beautifully flighted shot in there. He would make birdie, and Tony would move to modest nine. At the home hole, Rory McIlroy, 160 yards away. That American flag in the distance is a great visual, and that flag was in McElroy's sights as well. He would make birdie there to get to minus eight. Rory is very much in the mix. Kevin Kisner had a bunch of birdies through the middle of his round. Long one here at 11 finds the target from 55 feet. 68 for Kisner on Friday. 
Memorial Tournament champion Patrick Kitley, birdie at 17, gets to 11 under. He's in the hunt for the tournament this week and the FedEx Cup as well. Hideki Matsuyama's putter was scorching hot. Number one in the field in strokes gained, and this sweeper at 17 found the bottom. Hideki gaining more than five strokes on the field, converting more than 165 feet of putts, and with a 63 sets the course record at Madonna. Incredible day's work for Matsuyama. Justin Thomas was the 18-hole co-leader. Stumbled early Friday, but then really brought it back. Gorgeous shot into 18, and JT at 10 under, right in the thick of it. And Finau with one final birdie here at 15 to sign 466 on Friday. I've been telling myself all week, I've been here before. I was in a similar situation last year, and I, and I seem to just play golf. So I, that's what I'm going to try and do. There's a lot at stake, I'm sure. I know there's a lot at stake this week, um, but the best I can do is, is try and stay in the moment. Uh, I put myself in good position going into the weekend, and I'm going to try and win a golf tournament this weekend. Yeah, Big Tony trying to win for the first time since 2016. He and Katmay will start the third round. One shot back of Hideki is... Uh, so that's what's been happening after round two. Carlos is keeping a close eye on proceedings as well. Yeah, well, they spoke about his putter being hot, and it has been hot for Hideki Matsuyama. He leads by one shot in Medina. Of course, a lot of people remember Medina with that fantastic Europe-American Clash Ryder Cup took place where Europe dramatically won. But, of course, it is the BMW Championship this weekend as the race to the FedEx Cup starts as the last 30 players will be selected after this weekend. Hideki Matsuyama leading by one stroke there. Um, above Patrick Cantley at 11 under par. Tony Finau tied at 11 under par. Justin Thomas, who said he had his worst warm-up ever but still shot a 65, is at 10 under par. Rory McIlroy, you heard mentioned there, he's tied 11th at 8 under par. But Tom, I will tell you, a lot of work to do for last week's winner. Patrick Reed, he's only at 5 under par. He's tied at 25th. And the likes of Tiger Woods, he is down in 49th position. So Tiger with a lot of work to do, as well as Dustin Johnson, also at two under par, tied at 48th with Tiger Woods. Keep an eye on that one for you, uh, as we will the tennis as well. Cincinnati, Mas Cincinnati Masters is underway at the moment, uh, and some big stories emanating from there. Seven-time winner Roger Federer has lost in straight sets to the 21-year-old qualifier Andre Rublev in the third round of the Masters. Let's just uh, remind ourselves or refresh ourselves of some of the big stories and some of the big moments of the last few days. from Andrei Rublev. My goodness me, when Rublev is hitting these types of shots, then you almost get the feeling it's his day. Break in that final set. Oh, wow. 
is just staggeringly good from Gasquet. How close was that to the 100 mile now, Mark? Reliably informed by Hawkeye, 97 miles per hour. Extraordinary points being played down at the Cincinnati Masters at the moment. Some big stories as well. Um, yes, Tom. Uh, I mean, uh, what can I say about Nick Kyrgios? Uh, we've spoken about him before. We've spoken about him. Uh, we will be speaking about him now and in the future for all the wrong reasons. I think Nick Kyrgios now, now requires to consult a sports psychologist. That's my opinion because his behavior is, is a wrong image uh, to the sport and to the, and to the world. Um, however, I, I mean... Uh, he, he, he definitely needs uh, to be fined and probably even uh, miss out on a few Grand Slams suspension. Yeah. Uh, so Nick Kyrgios is taking all the headlines uh, down at Cincinnati for the wrong reasons as well. He's had another outburst uh, down there, uh, to which has uh, taken all the headlines uh, out away from some of the big uh, players that are in action uh, down in Cincinnati. What did he do wrong this time? Uh, well, he smashed his racket. He called the umpire a tool. Uh, and um, he got uh, violated a couple of times in more ways, that were points violations that is, in more ways than one. Uh, in fact, let's just let, remind ourselves of some, well, hopefully with the bleeps put in for some of the, uh, uh, the, the words that he was using, some of the language he was using. Uh, Kyrgios, uh, back to his worst or his best. just ignored Fergus Murphy. Yeah. None, I think, is the answer. <laughs> Time. No. Come on, Nick, you don't get time I'm for that. More racket, bro. You don't get time for it. Time violation warning. Picked up a time violation. I'm here. Thank you, sir. He can serve the ball. He can serve the ball. He can serve the ball. I'm ready. I'm returning, bro. Serve the ball. Serve it. Serve the ball. Look, I know it's not a popular opinion. I've said it before. I stick behind my words as well. I might not agree with some of his tactics. I might not agree with some of his behaviour. But Nick Kyrgios, for me, is good for tennis. Why? We're talking about him in Dubai. Why? There was a packed stadium to watch Nick Kyrgios and his bad behaviour that time round. OK, yeah, we all want to see Djokovic against Federer in world-class finals at Wimbledon. But how long is that going to go on? CVR, tennis needs people like Nick Kyrgios. He's a tool. No, the umpire was apparently no, Nick, Nick Kyrgios is a tool and honestly he, need, he needs to grow up yes you know Tom I think at the end of the day we all like a bit of 
what should I say, action he brings in or, 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 or a change of behavior. But honestly, I think if you're looking to promote a sport like tennis, he's no example for youngsters, the way to, to conduct themselves. And if it's a once or twice off uh, scenario, I can still understand. But I mean, he's making this a regular thing. Very disrespectful the way he serves underarm, calling for breaks, smashing rackets. I, I just don't quite think it's the example that, that we're looking for out on the court. Entertaining, yes, entertaining to certain people. I don't think entertaining to others. So I think Nick Kyrgios needs a certain warning. He needs to take a look at himself and decide what he wants to do with his career. Because to your point, I actually think he's quite a talented tennis player. Oh, he is, definitely. Yep. I think, um, I mean, with immediate effect, if it was me, I would have uh, told Nick Kyrgios to to go counseling, take a, uh, get, get a sports psychologist, get, a, get I mean, uh, come, and, come and track with your life. I mean, uh, you, you play a great game of tennis. You have everything that it takes to win a Grand Slam. However, if you remove your off-court and on-court on -court antics, then, then Nick Kyrgios will be a very successful player, in my opinion. Yes. Matt, an opinion on Nick? I, I, I agree with both camps, really, actually. I, I think he is good for tennis in so much as he generates interest and generates column inches and therefore generates extra revenue for the players that actually want to be successful. I do think sometimes it's quite tiresome, his, his approach. I know we all had a wry smile there when he's telling the opponent to serve, when he's, he's playing with the, the handle of his racket. That sort of stuff is funny. The temper tantrums and the abuse of the officials, I don't think we can really stomach for any, for, for any longer period of time because ultimately that's what the youngsters are watching. That's what people that, that want to see sports stars as, uh, as their inspiration will be looking at. That sort of stuff he can cut out. If he wants to have a bit of personality, a bit of joshing, a bit of temper tantrum behind the scenes and just make it a little bit more interesting to watch the games, then I'm not that far against it. And ultimately, he's still coining in an absolute yeah. fortune. We've discussed this before not everybody wants to be the best of the best in the sport they just want to earn a decent income and travel around the world staying in a hotels and if that's what Nick Kyrgios wants to do then I'm all for it not a bad life for a man in his 20s <laughs> uh, that's for sure uh, a quick mention as well for uh, the the Murray story that has been uh, emanating from Cincinnati uh, as Andy Murray is apparently will switch his attention back to his singles comeback after losing to his brother in the Cincinnati Masters quarterfinal as well. I suppose that's one way to sort of uh, focus yourself, isn't it? To get beaten by your brother. To get beaten by the guy that nobody really takes all that seriously when you've been the best of the bunch. Absolutely. It's such a shame to see what's happened to Andy Murray. Of course, I know injuries catch up with everybody, but he's, he's, he's just not old enough yet for that for that hip to be collapsing like it would do in one of my grandparents. It's a real shame. It would be good for him to start to look after it a bit more, pick those tournaments, as he says. I thought it was interesting, and, and the, the experts around the table might stop me if I'm wrong, is that he's turned down a wild card entry, I believe, for the for the next big Open. Well, he changed his mind, didn't he? He was offered one. He turned it down initially, and then he changed his mind. But then the organisers said, well, we can't take it away from the bloke that we're giving it to. Yeah, I think that initial decision of his was probably the right one. I think it would be better to just to just pace himself a little bit more because if he keeps getting beat by the likes of Jamie Murray and, and turning up to Grand Slams and, and being beat early and quickly, that's not going to do him any good at all. So I think he needs to just be a little bit more patient and pick those tournaments a bit better. Uh, we'll take a short break when we come back. We've got boxing for you, we've got rugby for you, plenty more football and, of course, the cricket. This is The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. 
You listen to Dubai 103.8. Uh, we are deep into stoppage time at the Emirates Stadium. Matt's watching. We are indeed. We're in the 95th minute of four minutes added on, and it has been a slightly chaotic stoppage time. We're just pausing here, which I think will be the final throw. Ashley Barnes and Sayer Kalasinac, hopefully they bleeped out what was just said on the TV there. They were chasing forward, and Barnes put both hands on Kalasinac and hauled him to the ground. He's playing the Mr. Innocent card, but I think we all know, and, and it's part of what makes him quite a good player to watch Ashley Barnes. He has got that little bit of snide in him and he's pulled Kalasnach to the ground earlier on we had Nick Pope the goalkeeper for Burnley almost grabbing an assist in the 92nd minute as Burnley had a corner we've had Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang miss a one-on-one -on -one after he broke clear with Nicolas Pepe it's been a frantic second half but as it is I think if you stay with me five more seconds we could see the final whistle um, we have not just yet it's one more throw of the dice but it's Arsenal 2 Burnley 1 that is full time. Mike Riley's whistle indeed. has been blown. So uh, points go to Arsenal and the Emirates Stadium. Burnley's uh, winning start to the season comes to a conclusion. Uh, let's go over to Lords. Please tell me that Steve Smith is out. Steve Smith is still batting, Tom. 75 not out and heading for his third consecutive 100 in the Ashes. What a player. What a remarkable comeback by this man. Australia 193 for six and trailing uh, England's first innings goal by 65 runs. England underway against Wales. This one's been played down in Cardiff. It's a game with much at stake. We've had another great week's preparation. Uh, obviously, we had a pleasing performance and result on Sunday at home, but we're under no illusions that it's going to be a different challenge this week away from home in Cardiff. So the preparation's reflected that. We've tried to, um, and I think we have done, push training even further to, to make ourselves better each day and, and put ourselves in a position to, to go and perform again at weekend. You know, we want to be the, the hardest working team out there, make sure every position is outworking the opposite positions. You know, Wales will be a different type of beast, especially at home, so we just got to be ready for all, anything they throw at us. What an exciting opportunity for us all to, to go and play in a brilliant stadium and um, the, the game is, is usually pretty fierce, bags of intensity, it's usually very physical. So uh, we're going to have to get a few things right this weekend, we're going to have to be smart, we're going to have to be physical again, probably even more so than last week and um, put the two things together to get the result this week. So lots at stake, none more so than the number one world ranking. If Wales win this afternoon, they go top of the world rankings with that win. However, uh, they've had a few problems in the build-up. Yeah, to this a, a bad start for them, Tom. Liam Williams, it is confirmed, has injured himself in the warm-up. He's had a bit of a tight hamstring and he's decided not to take part. So he will not be in the starting 15 for Wales. But I tell you what, not worry. Lee Halfpenny comes in at fullback, Very, very experienced. And of course, a well-renowned, world-renowned place kicker, should I say. So it'll be interesting to see if Dan Bigger will be starting off as a place kicker or Halfpenny. But what I can tell you is eight minutes played in that fixture at the moment at the Millennium Stadium. It's still 0-0. And Lee Halfpenny has replaced Liam Williams at fullback for Wales just before kickoff. And just a quick reminder that Rory McConaughey, uh, the debutant or yet to make his debut, uh, was also a late replacement uh, or was replaced late by Anthony Watson, his Bath teammate in the England starting 15. Okie dokie, let's turn our attention to the world of boxing. Why? Because, well... If we are led to believe what we hear, it could be coming quite close to home, right? I'm talking home, being the UAE at the moment. Could Big Time B-Boxing be coming to uh, the region? Well, not according to uh, Ruiz Jr. 
We'll get some thoughts on that piece in just a few moments' time. Before we do that, let's get the thoughts of uh, my man, Matt Fortune. So um, let's try and paint the picture. Let's do a bit of a, a, a timeline on this one, if we can. Uh, last week, we were all celebrating the fact that uh, World uh, Heavyweight Boxing was coming to the region. It was all announced uh, under much pomp and circumstance. Eddie Hearn, handshaking aplenty. Uh, Joshua against Ruiz in Saudi Arabia uh, at the beginning of December this year, only for Ruiz to come out midweek and say no. Yeah, it's a real strange one, this. Let's go, we go even further back, actually, if it, and everyone must remember that. Anthony Joshua's US debut was initially supposed to be against Jarrell Miller. Uh, Miller, I say unfortunately, Miller stupidly uh, was responsible for taking a, an almighty concoction of performance-enhancing drugs. Andy Ruiz stepped up with five, six weeks to go. As with any situation like that, what happens is when you sign the contract, just, and everybody at the time didn't think that this contract would be particularly relevant, there was a rematch clause inserted into the deal. Absolutely, you have to protect yourself. He was an unknown quantity, Ruiz, really, to, to lots of boxing uh, viewers. So that was signed. Then obviously what happened, happened. Ruiz Jr. performed one of the biggest shocks, at least of the last 20, 30 years in heavyweight boxing. AJ immediately within that first week after that June bout said, yeah, we'll take the rematch. We've been wondering where it was going to be. There was talk of it going to be in Cardiff, which of course AJ has won at many times before. We there was talk that it was going to be back in the US. Ruiz Jr. was on a podcast, a Joe Rogan podcast a couple of weeks ago, almost let slip that it was going to be in the US. And then out of nowhere, there hadn't been really much talk of it being in this region, it was announced that it was going to be in Saudi Arabia on December 7th on the outskirts of Riyadh. Eddie Hearn, the promoter, Matchroom Boxing, AJ being his big cash cow, confirmed everything was in place. They have the poster, they have the uh, the strap line, the clash on the dunes, which, by the way, I think is a bit rubbish, but we'll, we'll come on to that. And then Ruiz Jr. on Instagram Stories uh, Live says that he hadn't signed anything. So then we have this back and forth and back and forth in which Eddie Hearn has revealed that actually Ruiz Jr. is correct that he hasn't signed anything new or recent, but part of the clause of that contract that he signed back in the day was that AJ gets to choose what all the terms are. Let's just hear um, what he had to say. We're speaking to ESPN uh, when he made this confession. This is what he had to say. No, I haven't signed anything yet, but we are in negotiations. They want to have the fight there in Saudi Arabia, but let's see the negotiations between our teams. I would like to fight in New York again, where I beat him, and I will give him the chance to try to beat me too. If he wants the belts, let's do it there. We will prepare something, things that we have to improve. Other than that, it's to have faith and hit him with the punches. I believe that he will want to run around a little, but I believe he's too big, a lot of muscle, and it'll be very hard to run from me. You spoke with Deontay Wilder at Manny Pacquiao's fight, right? Did they say something to you about maybe in 2020 a fight to unify the belts? Yes, in fact, we spoke directly with each other. But I told him that first I have to focus on the fight against Joshua. I don't want to think about other fights. I want to think about beating him again. It's really intriguing about this one, isn't it? Because um, Joshua is the man with all the cards in his hand contractually, mm. and yet he's not the champion. 
Yeah, well, no, of course, but he is the he is the big pull. He is the money. No one's going to to Saudi Arabia to watch Andy Ruiz Jr. with the greatest respect. Even after the, the the incredible shock that he delivered at Madison Square Gardens, AJ is still the one. He's still the biggest guy in that division. Absolutely, regardless of Deontay Wilder, no one gives him too much credit for a number of the opponents that he's beaten. The only person really that threatens AJ, certainly from a financial perspective, even in the U.S., is Tyson Fury. Fury has announced his next bout is against an unheralded Swede. He's already spoken about the February rematch with Deontay Wilder. Anthony Joshua needs to play this really well. My personal opinion, while I'm absolutely delighted, I'm not going to have to fly 14 hours, I'm going to have to go and fly about an hour and a half to get to Riyadh, is that AJ needs something big, a big statement win. Is that going to happen in Saudi Arabia when your big market, your US market, who are really, really interested in you, are going to be tuning in in the middle of the afternoon on a Saturday. Well, so this is a really interesting point. This is one I wanted to put to you as well. Uh, whilst it might be great, I mean, it would be great for us, for boxing fans, to, as you say, have a big fight like this come to the region. It'd be great for us from a selfish point of view, although we would have a logistical nightmare because it's the same weekend as the Rugby Seven. So yeah. try and work that one out. <laughs> uh, but the, the, the other, but in terms, from an AJ point of view, I can see the benefits to an Eddie Hearn. Yeah. But is it beneficial to an AJ who has a lot to prove and mm. therefore going to a completely different environment, a completely different uh, a, a, a ba a ba background, a completely different part of the world, would that work for him? Yeah, he's not only got a lot to prove, Tom. AJ, and I don't want to be guilty of hyperbole here, this is the biggest fight of his life, make no mistake. AJ loses this bout. That, for me is the end of his career as a top money-making heavyweight fighter because there's just no interest in a guy who's lost twice too and with the greatest respect to Ruiz, listen Ruiz is a smart fighter some of the punches that big punch in the third round that floored AJ the first time is a brilliant duck under the jab and a big overhand left right on the sweet spot he's a smart fighter he's got quick hands but he just doesn't doesn't look the part he's not going to generate masses of income AJ needs a big statement win there's still no clarification exactly what went wrong in the US for AJ was it the new environment because for me if that was the case you are absolutely right you don't want to be going to Saudi Arabia it's a place that you've probably never even been before in front of maybe just 12,000 people when you fight best in big stadiums in front of 90,000 people you're absolutely right from a selfish perspective it's great from an atmosphere perspective I think it will probably be brilliant especially built arena for it those big I've been I saw AJV Povetkin at Wembley Stadium felt a little hollow felt a little empty MSG completely different everybody on top of it watching but is he comfortable in that environment I'm not sure he so is that, that's an interesting point as well because when I was listening to the sort of build-up to this one and reading between the lines at her and he was saying yeah we're gonna have it it's gonna happen it's gonna happen we've got a big outdoor stadium it's gonna be built and, and, and I suddenly went oh hang on did he just say outdoor stadium and okay I take it it's December yeah it's it's it's, it's, it's Saudi Arabia but December Saudi Arabia is very different from December in other parts of the world. Yeah, okay, it's going to be a cooler part of the year, but nothing's guaranteed. The air's going to be a lot thinner. It's got the potential to be a lot more humid and hot than it could be in other parts of the world. So a lot of question marks around it. Yeah, let me throw this one out there, and this is, this is more just to cause a little bit of trouble. I think AJ's scared. He said today that he's not. He said that it was a lucky punch that concussed him in the third round. I think he's worried. I think he might be regretting taking this rematch, and I think he's just looking at the money. I don't think, he's, he's never good against smaller people. You go back three, four fights uh, against Carlos Takam, who again was a late replacement. He really struggles with little guys, because when you're big like AJ, 
and your jab can keep someone on the end, the minute they get under that left arm, you're in big, big trouble. And I think he's probably a little bit worried. I don't really think that he's just chasing one final paycheck because I think he believes in himself enough. And I believe in him to a certain extent. But if he just goes back to Cardiff, it's not going to be a sellout. The British fans are a little bit dubious of how he's handled himself in the last year or so with some of the fights he's taken. People think he's ducked Wilder. He could have taken Wilder a little bit sooner. So there's a little part of me that just thinks he's going to say, do you know what? I'll take that big cash cow there in Saudi Arabia. If I lose, I lose. It doesn't matter. If I win, it's probably not that important for me anyway. Yeah, I'll get the belts back, but I'm still two or three fights away from the big fight against Wilder, which maybe he doesn't necessarily want. Let's have more build-up uh, to the uh, world of Premier League football in just a few moments' time. Uh, we're into the final half hour. We'll be back around the grounds in just a few moments. We're live down here at Barasti. Barasti Beach is... Well, there's a good crowd in. Massive crowd in for all the sports that's going to be shown down here. If you're looking for somewhere to watch your Premier League football, then get yourself down here. We'll talk about that next. Unbelievable goal! This is The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. We're going to focus on the Premier League six o'clock kickoffs in just a few moments. Time to stay tuned for that. Quick reminder: Arsenal taking the three points against Burnley at the Emirates Stadium earlier today. Uh, six games, sorry, five games kicking off at six o'clock local time here in the UAE. What else has happened today? Sunderland have beat Portsmouth already, uh, and we have games to look forward to a little later on in proceedings. Down in France, there's the Italian Coppa Italia, Parma against Venezia at eight o'clock this evening. Uh, action over in Spain. Spain as well. That gets underway from seven o'clock, but action is underway already in Germany. A new season underway there. He just keeps getting better with age. And they are rampant. Royce is in there! Who writes those scripts? Absolutely glorious. <laughs> and it had been coming. Yeah, especially in the last three, four minutes, just too much pressure. And then here, boom. Didn't look happy in that particular position. Holes everywhere. My team this week in training have been spitting blood and fire. How about that for a corker? He's never, never finishing this. Well, the wound self-inflicted. To be perfectly honest... So much to talk about from last season in the German Bundesliga. Already storylines developing from Bayern Munich's uh, draw at home last night in the season opener. Uh, all the games are now, or the remainder of the games bar one, are now underway in the German Bundesliga. Monty's keeping an eye. Yes, Tom. Uh, it's been a great start. Uh, Dortmund versus Augsburg at the Signal Iduna Park. We've had uh, a goal in the first minute, courtesy of... Neither Lechner and you had Paco Alcasa scoring the equaliser for Dortmund and Torgan Hazard, Eden Hazard's brother, uh, gets a debut start for Dortmund and uh, this game, if, if it goes in this way, we, we probably get a scoreline of 4-all or 5-all. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that one for you. There's games to look forward to over in Scotland as well. All of them kicking off at 6 o'clock. Celtic against Dunfermline, probably the pick of those games at the moment. Uh, they've been playing for the last couple of weeks. A lot of chat about Scotland and the Scottish Premier League uh, uh, and the Scottish League Cup uh, this year because of the resurgence of Rangers towards the end of last season. I mean, could we, could we be seeing a much closer championship race than we have been in recent seasons? Well, I thought last season, actually, it was quite interesting. We certainly had, was it Hibs were clinging on for, for a large portion of the season uh, while Rangers sort of faltered. 
as it is, I think we're looking again at a Celtic, not necessarily a runaway performance, but if it is that top two, it is nice to see a big club like Rangers back in the hunt. And it is good to see a young English manager in the shape of Steven Gerrard doing good things and making sure that the teams are always moving forward. I think when you look at the comparative pl uh, former player in management of Frank Lampard, taking that big step already. Gerard was smart. We understand that he was approached by Newcastle to see if he would come in. I think he's taken the right decision to maintain a little bit of consistency with Rangers and help push them forward. It'll be a good one to watch. Right, let's turn our attention to the Premier League as a few of the six o'clock kickoffs. Uh, one game I want to pick on is the Everton against Watford game. I think a lot of focus will be on this game. Uh, two teams who have sort of flirted with the top ten or possibly even higher finishes throughout the remainder of for this particular season after some good support performances last season. Uh, let's turn our attention to uh, the thoughts of the managers. Let's start with the Watford head coach, uh, Harry Grecia, who's been having his say ahead of the game. To be honest, uh, he started to train yesterday, the first training session, and then he needs time. He needs, needs time to to be ready. And after a long time, uh, not so long, but a time resting, he needs time to to recover his best condition, his training, and I I expect he will be ready as quick as possible. He's training with with us during all this week with with the rest of the team. He's training well, and uh, I think he can help us in the next games because uh, what I what I see these days is he's ready. Talking there about his record, the club's record signer, Ishmael Ashar, who's yet to show for the team. So it's one of these strange ones, isn't it? You know, you make these big signings, but they're not ready. Yeah, well, you need to look at Arsenal earlier, Nicolas Pepe, everyone was chomping at the bit to see him. I've always wondered about that. If a player is good and worthy of breaking your, your club record signing, just throw him in. I think it might, it galvanises, should I say, those around you. I appreciate that there's certain formations you look at someone like Brighton um, uh, Potter there Graham Potter who really has a, a very specific way of playing and you want to embed those players into that system because things can fall apart but sometimes with a player like Saar who is a who is an exciting attacking almost what's the word where he, he doesn't really stick to the system he's one of those flair players that you just want to sprinkle a little bit of magic dust on proceedings I just think throw him in especially for a team like Watford who were who were humbled really last uh, last week on the opening day 3-0 by Potter's Brighton they need a little bit of a lift Watford I think that FA Cup run covered over a number of cracks their their record I think it's something like 19 defeats in the last 30 odd games since the turn of the year it's not a great record they spent big they held on to good players like uh, Abdullah Decore has stayed there they need to start pushing on and I think if you add a little bit of magic like a player like Saar that's what they need to do um, interesting to hear the thoughts of the Watford head coach uh, he has traveled to Everton uh, up to Liverpool for this game uh, Everton against Watford you got any team news for us on that yeah one? I do the interesting one there really from a selfish perspective because he's my captain in fantasy league is that the young Juventus or former Juventus forward Moise Keane is still stays on the bench Everton one of those teams that people think might be pushing either Chelsea Manchester United or indeed Arsenal out of the top six possibly even the top four they 
flat to deceive last week, I thought. A very flat performance in the final third, despite the money that they've spent up there. They drew with Palace nil-nil. So their team this week, again, they lead the line with Dominic Calvert-Lewin, a player who I think, with the greatest respect, is not up to Premier League standard. Despite his effort, despite his pace, he just doesn't add that dimension that you need. And when you've got players like Richardson, Sigurdsson and Bernard in the three behind, if you have a, an intelligent centre-forward, somebody that chooses their runs wisely, then you can start to get goals. That's what Everton have today, but they do have Calvert-Lewin, as I say, up top. Further back, they've got uh, Seamus Coleman, Michael Keane, Yeri Mina and Lucas Dinge, who's probably one of their more threatening attacking players bombing up from left back. And they've got, um, I don't know how to pronounce his name, their other central, uh, central midfielder signing Gambin. I think that's right, who, who replaced Idrissi Gay over the summer. He comes in with Andre Gomez at the heart of midfield. Interesting thoughts as well. We'll get the thoughts from Monty uh, before, not before that we hear from Marco Silva. Let's find out how uh, Everton have lined up. Before we do that, though, before this game, he's been asked about the depth of his squad. We know we got some, they've got some quality players. Uh, could they possibly challenge for top six, top seven, maybe even more? Remains to be seen. Big question mark. Do they have the depth in the squad? Morgan Shannon, if he's keep uh, linking with the other clubs or not, for, for me, it's not important, uh, really. Um, we closed our the our squad last Thursday. Morgan is one of is one of them. If um, will appear or not, different solutions for us. Even is not a is not a, a issue. Is nothing something come inside that door or inside Finch Farm or inside our club. When I finish the the squad last last Thursday, will be until the the end or until January with with all of them. And and Morgan was one of them. We have Morgan and. The, uh, GP for that that position and make you know, that doesn't make sense if we are now talking about these situations because it's not even a situation to talk about Kevin about uh, Nias and some of the other players of course you know what is my my opinion about the situation the market still open to them and possible something can happen and uh, to them because they they are our players but they want to play football and the, the space in our squad to them is not is not enough Silver against Grazieris, Everton against Watford, Monty? Um, yes, um, I'm, I'm looking at the lineup here and I think Everton should have picked up their experienced campaigners in Theo Walcott, Tom Davis, Alex Iwobi. I think uh, they, I mean, they, they are, they, they've played the Premier League uh, over the last five, six years. I think if Everton really want results, then they need to play, pick up their experienced players. Uh, I don't see Bernard or uh, Jean-Philippe Gambin making an immediate impact in the team. Neither do I see Dominic Calvert-Lewin making an impact. And I think they should be a bit more adventurous because they have a new kid, 19-year-old Moise Keen, and he should have been playing uh, today in the starting 11, in my opinion. Yeah. Interesting thoughts from the boys there. Uh, other games kicking off at 6 o'clock. Aston Villa against Bournemouth, Brighton against West Ham, Norwich against Newcastle, and Southampton against Liverpool. Um, we will give you any sort of shocking team news in just a little while but question uh, in fact on that team news yeah just the one looking at that game down at St Mary's between Southampton and Liverpool there was all this talk this week that the young or well, the young the old English goalkeeper Lonergan might be stepping in having been on loan in almost the non-leagues from Liverpool after if everybody saw the video during uh, the Europa Europa European Super Cup final win a fan running onto the pitch to celebrate with Adrian after the penalty day slipped over and took out the goalkeeper and there was many fearing with Alisson already injured for at least a couple of weeks that Adrian the hero of that penalty shootout would also be missing as it is he has managed to, to find himself a little bit of fitness and he starts in goal for Liverpool as for the rest Sadio 
Mane returns to the starting lineup. He missed, obviously, most of the game last week, uh, having returned late from the African Cup of Nations. So that famous three of Mane, Firmino and Salah will lead the line against the Southampton side in desperate need of a good performance. Yeah, I think also Sherdan Shakiri has, uh, has, has mentioned that... Uh, He's not happy at Liverpool, uh, you know, being on the bench uh, most often. So he's, I think, uh, stated to Jurgen Klopp that he wants to leave the club. Yeah. Um, just a quick one as well. Uh, I mean, we talked at the beginning of the show, didn't we, about uh, what we had gleaned and learned from the first weekend. Um, a lot of people can sort of throw that down to first weekend and let's not, let's not read too much into it. However, you know, if someone like a West Ham who could be possibly forgiven for losing to Man City, albeit being thumped by Man City at home as well probably wasn't ideal but you could probably be you know especially Man City in that sort of uh, mood for them to come up against Brighton who were really impressive in the first week away at Brighton if they were to get thumped again there would be question marks over them are there any other sort of potential banana skins you see in those other games well, for me, the Southampton game, I know it's not exactly a banana skin getting beat by Liverpool at home, but Southampton, there's a, they very much split opinion, I think even around this table. I fancy Southampton to finish top 10. CBR said he's got them in there three to go down. Ralph Hussenhull is a very intelligent manager. He showed last season that you input a style into a set of players and that starts to gel. That can be really impressive. But they were poor last week, I thought, and I think they need, if they... Teams in and around that area, teams that are in that bottom half or that middle bracket between the bottom six and then the two or three that we think will almost certainly go, they need to get momentum. And West Ham, not that they're in that particular bracket, they're one of those sides that if they lose today against Brighton, it's big, big trouble for them because while it doesn't tell you anything about the season as a whole, it does tell you how those first few weeks go. And momentum is so, so important. I'm going to have to break in here, not with a goal, but with some breaking news. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but... We might have had, we, England might have found a solution to the problem that is Steve Smith. We will bring you details next. You're listening to The Grill on Dubai I 103.8. Uh, right, obviously we've got cricket, uh, cricket uh, we've got uh, football aplenty to talk about in a few moments. Tom. I just want to get the latest from the, uh, the world of uh, rugby as well. England against Wales. Yeah, Tom, what I can tell you is 29 minutes played. It's 3-0 to Wales. A lot of people were asking who would take that first penalty. It was indeed Dan Bigger. So Dan Bigger scored uh, the opening score for Wales. Wales leading England. Three points to zero, 30 minutes played. Uh, right, the story I wanted to get to you was Steve Smith. How do you, what do you do about a problem like Steve Smith? Uh, well, it looks like something unfortunate might have put pay to his, score, his, his run scoring prowess for the meantime. So going into this test match, Joffre Archer uh, had been touted as the great hope for England in many ways. In fact, Joffre Archer was very outspoken about um, a certain Steve Smith going into the match itself. And it looks like he might have got the first uh, blood in this particular instance. Blood being the wrong usage of uh, terminology at the moment. What I can tell you is that Steve Smith has been forced to retire hurt from the uh, game on 80 runs. He was hit uh, by uh, the bowling of Joffre Archer, first on the arm and then on the head. Um, it was the second hit on the head with a ball over 90 miles an hour, which has forced the doctor to ask Steve Smith to take himself away from the action. He's therefore retired hurt, which obviously means he can come back if he pass all his concussion tests a little later on. Um, it has been described as a rather hostile 
piece of bowling. In fact, the, spire, the spell saw Joffrey Archer reaching 96 miles per hour in a thrilling spell. Uh, John uh, Monty's also having a little look into this one for us. What more can you tell us? Um, yes, uh, yes, Tom. I mean, the, the good news is Steve Smith uh, walks back to the pavilion and uh, took to a round of applause at Lords and uh, fully deserved, obviously, because he was heading for his third consecutive hundred. Uh, however, this is the Ashes. It's uh, the Ashes has uh, no no respite. No, I mean it's it's toe to toe. And full 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 respect to to Jofra Archer for going out 150 percent and giving his his full for England because he knows how important the session was. Extraordinary. You're also looking at uh, bits and pieces of commentary, Matt. What are they saying? Yeah, there's something here which actually, and I'm, I'm sort of a bit disappointed that I haven't been able to see it. The Guardian runner that I'm following describes it as this. What a remarkable passage of Test cricket, the likes of which I have seldom witnessed during my entire time following the sport. Absolutely incredible. I cannot wait to go and check it out. For me, it's exactly what Test cricket is all about. It's about one man battling another man. I know there's 22 guys, at 13 guys out there. I got that a bit wrong. But you know, it's a team sport, absolutely. But when you have one guy going at another, and especially a player as important as this, it must have been awesome to watch. They chose not to show the replays on the big screen uh, because of the confusion around it. However, they have since as well. And it turns out that the ball actually missed the helmet altogether and hit him just underneath the helmet on the neck roll as well which obviously prompted the doctors to ask him to leave the field for further consultation. Yeah, as you say, we, we all like to, to watch a rivalry, Tom, and, uh, you know, we just hope that Steve Smith is all right. But it, in all honesty, it seems like the only way to get him out, to get him to retire, because he's been absolutely outstanding, and uh, I hope the injury is not, not too serious. But uh, well done to the English team to finally figure out a way of, uh, of getting him to leave the crease. Might not, be, might not be for everyone, but a certain word springs to mind, body line. Uh, if you can't get them out, just uh, just hit them out. Uh, but we'll wait and see. Obviously, uh, he is retired. Hurt. We'll get more updates for you as soon as we get them as well. Uh, what are we looking forward to? Well, we're looking forward to all things Premier League. Uh, and uh, one game that we're all uh, intrigued by is the late one. 8.30 kickoff. Man City against Tottenham. Let's get the thoughts of the travelling manager, Mauricio Pochettino, on the way that he's going to line up his team. Will he start at the Etihad? We'll see. You know, we'll see. It's only 11 players can, can start. Um, I am happy last week how he is doing um, his uh, performance on the training session. Um, yes, I think it's still one training session now, and, and then I'm going to decide the starting 11 for tomorrow. Does a player's contract situation affect your selection decisions? No. For me, it's the same one player win, where, that have one year in his contract that the, another that have five years. The selection is not uh, for the length of the contract, it's uh, because of the, the performance. And I think after five years, maybe it's a question that you need to avoid, you all need to avoid, because you know very well me that I'm going to take the decision based on only in performance, not in length of contract or personal situation related with the, with the club. Mauricio Pochettino uh, fielding questions about a certain Christian Eriksen at the beginning of that comment. Still a bit of a question mark, a bit of a cloud over the future of Eriksen. Yeah, but made such a big impact when he came on in the second half last week. The difference between the Tottenham that went in 1-0 down to Aston Villa at half-time and the one that emerged once Christian Eriksen was on the pitch. I don't know the exact stat. It was something like, oh, over to you, Monty, please tell me. It's something yeah, about think, the shot uh, target. <laughs> the, sta <laughs> the, the stats were... Uh, 
before the before before Christian Eriksen came on, 64 minutes, uh, Tottenham had 13 shots on target and zero goals to show for. Uh, when he came on uh, 64th minutes or 64 minutes onwards, uh, Tottenham sorry Tottenham had uh, 19 shots on target and three goals, and yeah. that's the difference Christian Eriksen brings to the squad: uh, assist and a very good playmaker who could support Harry Kane, and that's how important he is to Spurs. Yeah, yeah that's the thing, is that he actually brings the best out of Kane. Kane, I thought, had a quiet game up until that point. But when you have a player that drifts into those little spaces, capable of long-raking passes to unlock defences from a little bit deeper, capable also of the, new, the cute little one-twos in and around the box, he's such a big, big player for them. The funny thing with me, I think, for me, sorry, is that I actually don't think... He is of the requisite standard of the club he wants to move to. I think he is better within a system that plays to his strengths rather than being the fulcrum of an entire team that has other individuals around it. If you put him in a Real Madrid team, I don't think he would shine in such the way that he does at Tottenham. So it's a tricky situation for him. Hats off to him for getting on with it. He came out early in the summer and said that he wanted to leave. Deals haven't come in, for, uh, bids or, or appropriate bids, should I say, haven't come in for him. And he's just got on with it. And I think that's credit to him as a person. He'd be a big loss to the Premier League, a big loss to Tottenham Hotspur I'm just not sure where he goes um, I think uh, towards the end of the season uh, he would be probably heading over to Real Madrid or to Barcelona yeah I mean if, if Barcelona don't get Neymar this season then <laughs> they, they, they need uh, a player like Christian Eriksen next season yeah I look forward to In fact, we're going to be hearing from Pep Guardiola. He'll play out for the show. Not, though, before I say a few thank yous to the boys uh, for uh, being part of the team for our return to Barasti Beach. Has it lived up to expectations, CVR? Absolutely. Once a found my way in here, uh, it's, been a <laughs> it's been a great afternoon. Of We've course. got to find our way out now. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, as you say, Tom, fantastic weekend of sport awaiting us. As yeah. I was saying that, uh, Wales have just scored a try. So Wales 10, England 0, 35 minutes play. Home advantage seems to be the theme of the day, doesn't it? Absolutely. Uh, and obviously, enjoy your, uh, your, your, your game. I mean, it's a lot easier watching the Springboks at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So it's 5 past 7 kick up against Argentina. We hope that Sia uh, Kulisi can, of course, come to that run. And then seeing Skulk Brits as captain this afternoon will be, uh, will be fantastic to see. So let's hope the box round it off fantastic before they head off to Japan for the World Cup. Enjoy the rugby, Carlos. Thank you very much indeed. For those that want to follow you on social media, best way? At Auctions Carl. Thank you very much to you. To you, Monty, as always. Thanks for putting the stats and the facts to us throughout the course of the show. Uh, how's your evening panning out? Which games are you watching? Um, I'm looking forward to the 8.30 kickoff, Manchester City versus Tottenham. That's going to be a big game because these two are the teams uh, who, who would challenge for the Premier League and there are points to be dropped and points to be gained from the opponents. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and if people want to get in touch with you, Mont, on social media? Uh, at Montigua on Twitter. Thank you very much indeed to you. And finally, uh, to you, uh, Mr. Football himself. Matt, thank you very much indeed for being with us. Thanks for putting us in the picture of all things football. I'm assuming you'll be sitting down to watch eight hours of football a la Chris McCarty, or is it romantic dinner tonight? No, absolutely not. Not you and McCarty, that is. No, sadly not. My dear Chris is away until tomorrow <laughs> morning, so uh, I'll have to spend it with my wife. Oh, oh dear. Goodness <laughs> me. And the, and the dog that I adopted two days ago. So my, uh, my evening will involve the three o'clock kickoffs, the late kickoff, and walking my dog enjoy that one <laughs> and if people want to get a hold of you Mr Fortune best way yeah, you can follow me I've got two channels if you want to hear about my thoughts on Brexit tune into Matthew in Dubai they're not very polite or if you want to follow my football it's MF World Football 
you very much indeed to you. Our thanks to all the team, our thanks to Benj, to all the crew back at house as well uh, for keeping us on air, IT, engineering and all at this end and of course back in the studio. Uh, as promised, let's play out with the thoughts of Pep Guardiola. Uh, we heard uh, um, uh, Poch talking about Ericsson. Pep Guardiola reckons that Sterling, after his performance last week, could get 30 goals for Man City this season. Raheem Sterling started last week with a hat-trick, great form. He scored 20, 24 goals last year. Is it realistic to expect him to get 30, 35? Does he have that ability? Yeah, hopefully. It will be good for him, for the team. Ask him to him. You can ask him. And so. But do you sense he has that drive within himself to reach those levels? To score 30 goals? Yeah. Uh, managers decide to play. And... Uh, and when he's in front of the goal, put it in the net. So he can do it, yeah. It was 24, 24 to 30, so six goals. So he can do it, but I don't know. I, I never spoke with Sergio, with Gabriel, with, uh, you know, with Raish, with all the people up front. What is, uh, what are their dreams and targets and these kind of things? I don't know, honestly. So, but I think they are happy when they are scoring goals, all the people who play in front. So hopefully, hopefully he can score goals. But I think, of course, that was a consequence of the way we played and their mood and the team playing, no injuries. So I wouldn't judge him if he scored three goals or three, five or 20, he would be happier or not. So if he scored goals, I'm happy. But if he does what he has to do for him, for the team, it's enough. This is The Grill on Dubai I 103.8.